You know, it's really, really easy to forget what matters, okay? And so that's why this sermon today. And, uh, you know, needed a time to stick it between two sermon series, and today is a good day. Now, I know we've got quite a few folks out. I'm open to send out some notice this, this week to all of our home people that you need to hear this message, and you'll understand why in just a little while when we talk about it. Now, it's easy to lose focus, and part of it is because sometimes we've got too many things to focus on, like Janus. You know who that is? Roman god of beginnings and transitions. And he was depicted uh, always as having like two faces, one looking forward and one looking back. The month of January is named after this Roman god because January is a time of beginnings. It's a time of transitions. And what do you do in January? You look back, right? And you look forward. And so that's kind of why uh, we have January named after this Roman God, because it's the time of the new beginnings. And you look back and you look forward. Kind of like in the slide just a moment ago, which we've got here again, is, is the windshield in the rearview mirror, okay? Most of the time you really need to be looking forward, right? But you also, you know, every once in a while need to look back. And it's really easy to get caught up looking back. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been driving down the road and you see something in your rearview mirror and you can't take your eyes off of it? And you keep looking, and, and then you realize, wait a minute, you know, I'm not supposed to be staring in a rearview mirror. <laughs> Am I the only one that has done that? Okay. <laughs> you've, then you've never seen a dog riding a motorcycle in your rearview mirror. <laughs> you know, I mean, okay, if it ever happens to you, then you're going to understand what Pastor was dealing with when I saw a dog riding on a motorcycle. Now, of course, somebody else was driving, but he was on the motorcycle. Okay. It, it kind of gets your attention, and it's hard to, it's hard to get it off, get off the tension. But here's, here's the issue with it. I, I, you know, here in this picture, we've kind of zoomed in a little bit. We don't see the full windshield. But the, the ratio of the size of the, of the rearview mirror to the windshield, based on what kind of car you've got, in smaller cars, it's, it's, not as, it's not as broad, but uh, a broader ratio. But on some cars, it's, it's uh, up to 100 to 1. It's about 80 to 1 to 100 to 1 is the ratio, meaning that in some cars, the rearview mirror is like 1% the size. It's like you, you, would, you would have to put 100 of those up to cover, your whole, uh, you know, to cover your whole windshield. All right, so if you think about it in that way, it's 1% of the size. Why is it 1% of the size? Because I probably need to be looking at it about 1% of the time that I'm looking at everything else. Because I'm really supposed, you know, I glance in the rearview mirror. I glance behind me, but I'm supposed to stare and focus on what is in front of me, Right? I mean, what happens if you're riding down the road and you just stare into the rearview mirror? Think about the things that could happen if you stare into the rearview mirror. Same thing happens in life. When we continue to look back and stare in, into the past, and we all like to do it. We all like to think about the past. Because, you know, sometimes, you know, the, uh, you know that, that little, that little uh, riding on your passenger side mirror out there that says objects and mirror are larger than they appear? Well, some of us, we have rearview mirrors that are the opposite, right? Because when we think back to how good we used to be, some of the objects in the mirror, they're not quite as big as we remember them, are we? You know, I mean, we remember them to be, I mean, we remember how good we were. Come on, some of you who are athletes or you think you were, you know, you, you look back and you remember some of those things and you remember how good, how awesome it was. And, and we like to look back, but sometimes we even like to look back to our failures, and, and, and that's, that's the crazy thing, isn't it? That we actually, but we do. I mean, some of us revel in our failure, oh, how bad we were and all of that. 
awesome song we just sang just a few moments ago to set that point up, that thought up, isn't it? He's thinking about how he loves us, and, and, you know, and he doesn't just love us past or beyond or around our problems. He loves us in spite of all of our problems. He loved you in spite of the stuff that you did. But man, we like to focus on the yesterday, don't we? We like to focus on the yesterday. But if you focus on the yesterday, you're going to miss the important because the important is what is in front of you. But let's, let's look back for just a minute. Let's, let's look back in the rearview mirror for a moment. Eight years ago, God spoke, and I had one of those epiphany-type moments where God and I'm talking, we're talking, driving down the road. You've probably heard me say before, if you've been around here a little while, sometimes God and I just have kind of conversations. You know, he doesn't speak audibly to me, but I do to him, you know, and I'm just kind of conversing with him. It's like, God, I don't understand this. I mean, I'll talk to God like that sometimes, you know, not when I'm pleading with him for something. Sometimes I'm just, God, I don't understand something. And I asked God that, and, and God spoke to me about I needed to plant a church. I mean, he spoke to me about it. I know when he did it, I can, I can, tell you, I can take you to Texas, the, the highway I was driving down when God spoke to me and told me that I had to get busy doing something about what was on my heart and on my mind. And so over the next two and a half years, God is like doodling in my heart. God ever doodle in your heart? You know what doodling is, right? You take an ink pen or a pencil, you know, and you just kind of doodle around. God ever doodle in your heart? I mean, sometimes you get that epiphany moment where God says, here's what I want you to do. But most of the time, God just kind of doodles, doesn't he? I mean, is that not the way it happens in your life? He just kind of doodles. It's just like he writes a little bit here, you know, and then tomorrow, you know, it's like he picks up the pen and he writes a little bit more. He brings somebody into your life that says something and it's, you don't realize it maybe even at the time, but it's a little doodle in your heart. Or you read an article and it's another little doodle. And so God, for two and a half years, God was doodling in my heart uh, uh, about planting a church, and, and, and he was just kind of getting everything ready. And then God kind of set everything up, and he started connecting us with people. And, and God, here's, here's the cool thing. It's like it, it kind of happened in reverse for a lot of them, is that, that when I said, hey, I would like for you to come and help us do this thing, is people, it would be almost like an epiphany, like, wait a minute, yes, this sounds like what I'm talking about. This sounds like what I've been thinking about. And what had happened is, is over the past months or maybe even years, God had been doodling in their heart and then boom, they saw it as it happened with some of you. Maybe you, the pastor didn't come to you, but you just showed up on a Sunday morning at 2911. And you said, boom, this is what I'm talking about. And it's because God was doodling in your heart for, for some long time and, and, and the doodles, you can't really figure it out and then all of a sudden, oh, the, wait a minute, here it is, right here, 2911, this is it, this is what God's been speaking in my heart about. And, and, and so we get that. So sometimes it is important for us to look back and remember how this all happened. This wasn't by accident. This all happened like Acts chapters 1 and 2. You know what happened in Acts chapters 1 and 2? A whole lot of stuff, okay? I can't read all of it to you. Actually, I've got, I've got just some selected scriptures for you, because just some selected almost phrases, because there's just way too much to tell you. <laughs> but if you were to wrap up Acts chapter 1 and 2 together, here's what I would tell you. Here's what I would say happened. The church was birthed. Okay, now remember what I'm talking about with us? I was talking to you about how we got here at 2911. Okay, look at this. How a church is birthed. Here, here it happened, Acts chapter 1 and 2. And these are, like I said, just selected verses of Scripture <laughs> in those two, two chapters. Jesus says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about power. He's talking about anointing. He's talking about the gifts. Then after Jesus is ascended, the apostles return to Jerusalem because that's what Jesus said to do. Okay? So they went back because that's what Jesus said to do. 
do not leave Jerusalem. So they went, they were just outside of Jerusalem. So when Jesus leaves and he ascends back to the Father, they go, they go back into the town, into Jerusalem, because that's what Jesus told them to do. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying, and they all joined together constantly in prayers, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And these all that joined together were the disciples that Jesus had been speaking to right before he went back to heaven. And, and so they're all there. The disciples are there, and the women and Mary, the mother of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers, they're all there. And then a little later, they prayed because they only had 11 disciples now because Judas had committed suicide. He had hung himself because he had betrayed Jesus, sold him out. And so they needed one to take his place. And so they prayed, Lord, you, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen. So they were seeking God's will for who is to take Judas's place. And then a little later, in chapter 2, verse 1, says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. Who was all together? All these folks, all these people, you know, the disciples and, and these that were mentioned. They were all together in one place. And it says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. There was a power that fell from heaven, uh, the Spirit of God that fell from heaven into their midst, and it just didn't fall into their midst. They opened themselves up to receive this power into themselves, and when they did, things started happening. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then a few verses down, Simon Peter, they all kind of get outside and, and a crowd has formed in the city streets. And Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. He preached. And it says at the end of this sermon that he preached, 3,000 souls were added to the church that day. Now, added to the church really means it began that day. This is how it began. Now, tell me, what was the one thing that was most important in those verses? Don't raise your hand, okay? That's not a real question. Because there is not one thing, and here, here's, here's what we do in church a lot of times. We all connect with one thing, and that's the important thing. And we all get our little pet things about what's important in church. If we don't, you know, if we don't have this, and you know, God just can't move and change lives. If we don't have, and we gotta do this, and we gotta do that. And, there was not one thing. You, you look up there, what do you see? I see obedience. I see, first of all, they're listening to Jesus. He says, do this, and they do it. They listen to him. They get together, and they pray. They pray, and they ask God. Not only do they ask God, send us his power, they say, God, what is your will? They say, we need to replace Judas, but who is it that you choose? Not who we choose, because, you know, man, what do you do when you, you, you take a vote? I mean, you, you know, you try to say, I'm going to stay out of this. I'm just going to vote my conscience. Well, you, you can't do that. You know you can't. And so they were saying, God, show us who you choose. There was obedience. There was prayer. There was seeking after God. They, they set themselves apart for a while, they, and, and they were open to the power of God. You know, not just, a, I want to visit God on Sunday morning. I want the power of God in my life, because I don't, I don't face my biggest demons on Sunday morning, this hour and 15 minutes I have with you. Anybody with me? This is not the place I face my biggest demons. I don't just need to be in the Spirit of God for an hour. I need the Spirit of God within me because I face my biggest demons out there when you're not around. I face the biggest demons when, 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 when none of you know where I'm at or what's going on. That's where I face the biggest demons and the biggest battles. And they preached. Simon Peter preached. And, and, and he had 119, because there were 120 in the upper room with him that were filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and so he had 119 prayer team members. You know, when he finished, he had 119 people that were out, able to go out and start praying with people. That was awesome. It was, and it was every one of those things. I got a few more phrases to throw at you from Acts chapter 2. After the, uh, going to my, to my next slide. Oh, there it is. Thank you. Thank you, Tommy. You're ahead of me. Great. 
after the sermon was preached, it took something to continue. It took something to continue this church, to build this church. Look, see it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Okay, again, obedience to what the apostles were telling them Jesus had taught them for the last three years. And to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed, the apostles, performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. One of the things I left out of those first few comments is, is they were in unity. They were all together in one mind and one accord, it said at the beginning of Acts chapter 2. And here we see it again still. Uh, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know what I see right here? I see that, that the same things it took to launch the church, Jesus Christ's church, are the same things that it takes to continue the church. You know, the unity, the obedience, the prayer, the seeking after God, it still takes the same thing. So when we look in the rearview mirror, there is purpose in looking in the rearview mirror for us to look back and remember and see. But we always, almost, almost continue to remind ourselves that what is important is not what is behind, but what is, what is forward. Because it's not, it's not as important what you were, but what you were becoming in Jesus Christ. It's not important what you did, but what you will do through the power of Jesus Christ. It's not important all the, all the mistakes that you've made in the past. What's important is all the victories that you're going to accomplish through his power and strength in the future. So we must stay focused on the future with a memory of yesterday. Because when I look in the rearview mirror, you know, if I look 20, 25 years back into my ministry and I was young in ministry, and you know, I, I'll look and I'll say, I, I'll understand. I know what I learned in those days. I learned about love and grace. I learned that, you know, it was so easy in the church I grew up in. It really was pretty hard on people, you know, with sin and things. And I had to learn about love and grace. That if I wanted the love and grace, if I wanted God to cleanse me of my sin and then overlook my sin and love me in spite of my sin, I also had to allow God to do that in other people. And so that was one of, that was one of the first things that I, I feel like I really learned in ministry is that if I want, if I want grace, I've got to let other people have grace too. And that might not be a big deal for you, but it's a big deal for me. And then I started learning. I started learning what worked. I started learning what didn't work. I started learning that telling people what they had to do was, it just wasn't going to work. It might have worked uh, 75 years ago. It doesn't work today. And it didn't work, you know, 15, 10 years ago either. I started learning some of those things. That, but, but, but some of the how always changes. And the reason the how always changes is because people change. Culture changes. You know, so, so the things that we look at for the hows are, are real close in the rearview mirror. It's kind of like they're back on our bumper. You know, they're the last few things that we, because most of the how is way back. So I'm not talking about the how, but I'm, I'm talking about the what when we look at the rearview mirror. Those are the things that are important that we have to keep look, looking for. And so over the years, over the last now five and a half years since we actually launched 2911, we've had to keep reminding ourselves I have to keep looking in the rearview mirror sometimes. I, I, sometimes staff or other leaders in the church will have to remind me, Pastor, look in the rearview mirror. They won't say it that way, but say, Pastor, look in the rearview mirror. Remember who we are. Remember where we're going. Remember what it is. So sometimes I have to look in the back. I have to look back to remember where we come from to remember where we're going. For example, here's one. 
over the last five and a half years, we've had quite a few people come through that wanted to change us. Now, when they walked in the door, they didn't know they were wanting to change us, but they come in the door, and they say, man, this is awesome. And then they'll say, you know what would be good? Y'all would be even better if y'all would do what my last church did. Now, the first thing I do is I have to fight the urge to say, if that was so good, then why aren't you still there? Okay, I was looking to make sure I didn't get any tomatoes or anything thrown at me right there. But I mean, seriously, you know, there is a reason you left that church, right? And if you look around and you see, and you know, some of the numbers that are important, you know, we'll talk about it in a few moments, but if you see what God has done at 2911, you know, you can't say, oh, let's go in and let's fix this. No, and, and so the first thing I have to do is I have to say, ah, you know, I guess maybe the, point one is I got to make sure, I, I, I try not to say them, why aren't you still there? And point one A is I try not to strangle them, you know, <laughs> and, and point one B is I try to point them to a church that they're looking for. Because most of those people, they just got mad or upset about something at their, at their previous church, and they really want the exact same church they had. They just want a different pastor or a different minister of music or something like that. Or they just don't like the color of the choir robes. They want to go somewhere that has different color choir robes. You know, so, the, the, so they look for different things. And so I try to point them in a different direction. We've had a lot of people like that. So, so we, we point them those right. And then I, then I have to take a look back in the mirror and say, why are we doing what we're doing, and who is it that we are? And we have to keep focused on that because... The world will constantly try to change us. And they will say, you know, if you did this, and I say, you know, we're just trying to follow God here. You know, we don't do music I like. We, we do music that the music ministry is prayed over. We don't, we, don't, we don't do those kinds of things. We don't choose those kinds of things. Let me, let me give you another example. Like we, we've been talking about the windshield and the rearview mirror. Let me give you another example to explain a little bit of who we are and how we do and, 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 and what's gotten us here. Bricks. Everybody know what a brick is, right? Okay, in case you don't know what a brick is, I've got your picture right here. These are what bricks are. And I, mean, I, I really like this picture because uh, it shows us in the different course of brick, you know, that you know, you got some that are, are, are half size and some that are full size. It's like every other, every other course is some are half, some are full. And, you know, some walls, it looks like the brick are exactly the same color, the same dimension, the same size and shape and everything. But even in that, they're not the exact same. And when you get to the corners or you get, you know, you got a certain space, sometimes you still have to break one off or you have to get a different one or something. And so they may look like they're the same, even those. But it's obvious, no two bricks are exactly the same. This picture just really points it out a little bit more because there is such a, a, a difference in size and also in color. And, and so you really get to see this. And here's the point. It takes bricks of all kinds takes bricks like you and bricks like you and bricks like you and bricks like you. You know, and, and, and that old thing about music, you know, I, I've, had, I've had people come in, you know, I don't know how many people I had, you know, when we were in our old building. Y'all remember our old building? It was about the size of this section of seats right here, you know. You remember that old building? And, and I'd have people, you know, ask me after church, say, oh, really enjoyed this. Are y'all ever going to have a choir? You know, and I, I'd say, look at that stage. <laughs> you think we can fit a choir up there? <laughs> We're not going to, you know, and, and those were some of the people I'd say, it's obvious that a choir is important to you. Instead of waiting around here to see if we're going to have a choir one day, let me tell you where there's a great choir. And most of the time I'd send them over to Christway because if they, if they liked us, I'd say, hey, you need, if that's what, you, you know, I'd send them over and say, you, I, let me tell you where a choir is this morning. And they do a great job. Had one lady ask one Sunday, said, uh, do y'all want an organ? And I said, no, I don't, I don't think, but if that's important to you, let me tell you where. And I told them where there was a B, Hammond with a B3, you know, and said, play it. And the lady that plays it, she does such a good job. You'll enjoy it this morning. And go. And, and this was after church. I wasn't running her out from, I said, if that's important to you, because one of the things we say around here is everybody ought to attend a church that they brag about. You ought to be bragging about your church. 
And if, and if you've got certain things that are important to you, then you need to go find one so that you can brag about it. And so, and so we encourage people to go do that. And, and you know, here, here's, here's the thing is, is we don't focus on a choir. You know, we, we didn't in the first, because obviously we were too small for a choir. Our building was too small for a choir. We're not focused on choir right now because here, here's the thing, okay? And uh, <laughs> I really asked God this morning, I said, God, you got to help me really stay on target and preach your message and not just be Rick today because i got a lot of stuff I can say right here, you know? But, you know, here's the thing, and I've said this before. If you've been around a long time, you've heard me say this. But here's one of the problems with the way we've always done church. You know, is we had two things going. We had choir and Sunday school or some kind of Christian education. And somebody walks in the back door and says, I love this church and I want to stay. Can, can, can I do something in your church? say, yeah, can you sing? If they say yes, well, get up on stage and sing with the choir. And then they say, no, I can't sing. Then we hand them some literature, and we say, go down the, go down the hall next Sunday, and you, you know, we'll give you a class to teach. And if they say, but I can't teach, then we take the books back from them and say, well, get on the, on the stage anyway and get in the choir. Because that's the only two things we've ever had to do. And that's, you know, and that's funny, except for the fact that it's true, because that's why we had so many bad choir members in churches, in church choirs, because we didn't have anything else for them to do. And, and, and so what we did is, is we took a brick that really didn't fit right there in the wall and we stuck it in a place where we had a hole for them. Instead of finding exactly, what is it, where does this brick fit? What does it look like? I mean, if you're not paying attention, you'll put all the yellow bricks together and all the brown ones over here. You'll have a big old spotty wall and it won't look right. But if, when, you, when, you, when you pay attention and you look and say, what fits about this? Where do they fit? What, what is their passion? What are their, what are their gifts? And, and, and where can they be used most of all? We're not focused on having a choir or a, a huge praise team. Could you imagine if everybody in our church were musicians? You know, on, so on Sunday morning, we're all standing up here like this, you know, drilled together because it would be real crowded up here, wouldn't it? And somebody comes in, and, and after service, you know, they, they run into somebody that afternoon, and they say, I tried out a new, you tell them, I tried out a new church. And, and they say, well, well, how was it? I said, man, they had awesome music. It just, it just filled it. Boy, the, 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 the singing was so awesome, you know, and everything because they were just all together. But you know what? Nobody got off stage and spoke to me because they were all singing. Nobody prayed with me after service because they were all singing. Nobody preached a message to me because they were all singing. And, and nobody, nobody watched my kids for me in the nursery or taught them a Bible lesson in the nursery of the kids' church because they were all singing. And nobody shook my hand. And they had a coffee pot there, but I guess I had to make it myself because everybody was on stage singing. That's where, we've been. That's where we are when everybody does it. God has given us all. And here's their scripture, Romans chapter 12, uh, beginning with verse 6, and it goes on. And, and, and in the notes online, you, there, there's a link to several verses after this. I want you to read them all. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. It's, yeah, yeah, that's good. God has given us gifts. To do things well. And you know, sometimes we have to tell people, if you're not doing it well, then you're probably not gifted in that area. It doesn't mean you're not gifted at all, okay? It doesn't mean you're stupid. It doesn't mean God forgot you. If you can't do something well, that just means you had not found your true gift yet. Find that gift because, and the way we like to say it around 2911 is, everyone has something awesome to do for Jesus Christ. It may not be singing or playing an instrument or even keeping the nursery. We don't want you where you don't belong. Because if you don't belong in the nursery, we definitely don't want you in there. 
You know, we don't want you in there with our little two and three year old hellions, you know. <laughs> I, I, I know y'all don't think we have any of those, but sometimes, you know, we don't want you, if you're not called to be in there with them, please don't sign up, okay? We'll find you. You need to find where you belong. You need to find where you belong. It's important where you belong. Because here's the thing, and I don't understand, I don't understand people my age, okay? I just turned 54, all right? Had a birthday last week. I don't understand people my age who grew up in church. I'm that old. I grew up in church. I don't understand people like me who still think the church is supposed to cater to them. If you are my age or anywhere near my age, if you are 15 years younger than me and you grew up in church and you think the church is supposed to cater to you and you've been in church all of these years, you you are missing it. You have been gifted to bless somebody else. You have been gifted. We're not here to be served. We're here to serve. Now, we got a lot of people who are, who are new to the faith, and those are the ones. And you know who they need? They need some of, some of us with experience that have been there, that have had to pray the prayers, that have had to, to fight and ask the question, like, God, what in the world is going on here? Yeah. And, and tell them it's okay to ask God that every once in a while. It's okay. Don't get an attitude with him, but it's okay, you know, to, to ask God what, what's going on here. They need us. And, 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 and church after church, and I've pastored so many of these before, before, you know, God didn't just lay this on my heart. God opened the door and said, I'm going to let you do what's on your heart. Before God gave me the opportunity, the, the awesome opportunity to pastor and, and launch 2911, before then, I pastored so many of these churches, and it's like, you couldn't get anybody to do anything because they all just came on Sunday morning thinking that, I, you know, the church is here to serve me. If you've been in church for a while, that is not the case. You are here to serve somebody else. And because in serving someone else, Scripture says, in serving others, in getting your mind and your attention and your focus off of your own self and focusing on other people, then what happens is God begins to take care of your stuff and your need. And so what happens is you come and you start serving others and then God starts serving you. Oh, you didn't get that, did you? So here's your choice. You want to be served by the people in this room or do you want to serve the people in this room and you be served by the God of heavens that owns it all and creates everything and has the ability and the power to do everything in your life? You see, that's where it's at. That's the decision you, you get to make. You get to decide, is the church going to serve me? Or am I going to be a servant of the church and allow God to serve me? So make your choice. I mean, you know, hey, you know, if you're, you're financially strapped, we can write you a little check. We can help you out a little bit. But you serve a God. And when you serve his church and you serve his people, you have a God that doesn't, he doesn't just have the ability to write you a little check to get you by a couple of days. He has the ability to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that you cannot contain. That's who we are as 2911. Is we're not here to be served. We're here to serve so we can open those windows of heaven. Show me where they are, God. Show me somebody to serve today, God. Show me my place in the wall because it's not about me. And it's not about buildings. Do you know that? It's not about buildings. It's not about a building. Buildings don't reach people. Did you know that? People reach people. This church grew 
tremendously at our old location. If you don't know where our old location, if you just started coming here since we got here, I need to show you our old location. I wish I had a picture right here. I'd show you our old location. Those of you who know our old location, you were there. You will understand this when I say, we never had it. And listen, this happened, happens a lot. If you know, somebody new comes in, first time attender, I say, oh, great, glad you're here. And how did you end up here? I'd like to know, how did you get here? And almost everyone will say, somebody I know, or somebody invited me, or something. You know what I've never had anybody say when we were in our old building? I never had anybody say, because of this awesome building, man, I had to stop and see what was going on here. Buildings don't reach people. People reach people. You reach people. You reach people around you. You reach people that are hurting. You reach the people. You reach them. Somebody was telling me yesterday they ran into somebody that, that uh, had attended here just one service, and they started asking them questions. Because they knew them, they say, why do you go there? What do you like about it? That's how it happens. Okay, people reach people. I don't have a lot of time to spend right here. Uh, what, what's my second one? Buildings don't change people. Jesus changes people. Okay, you won't get changed just because you show up in a building every Sunday morning for an hour and 15 minutes. But when you show up together and you remember the scripture where he says, we're two gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. And you show up together to be in this place that you know the Spirit of God is going to be. And you come here saying, I need some stuff to change in my life. Then stuff begins to change because you begin opening yourself up and things change. And and a lot of people say, well, I don't want to change. Yes, you do. That's why you're here. You got some stuff that needs to change. You got some stuff in your marriage. You got some stuff in your, I mean, some of you, you got financial problems. You don't have financial problems because your neighbor, you got financial problems because of you. You know, you don't have marital problems because of your neighbor. You got marital problems because of you. We all have things in our life and I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me too. We all have things in our life and we need God to change us. But buildings don't change people. Jesus changes people. And what's my third one? God does not live in church buildings. That's Old Testament. And you know, I, know, I, I hear so many people talk about the church building and the sanctuary as if it is more holy than any other place in the world. And let me tell you something. The building, and, and if we had a building today dedicated to only have worship in. We had one room. That we, all we ever did was we preached and we sang and we prayed. We didn't do anything in there. That is not as holy as the place where God truly dwells. Because the place where God dwells is not in a building made with hands. And I don't have time to give you the scripture, but he says, I don't, I don't dwell in a building made with hands. But he dwells within us today. Where in the Old Testament there was a temple that they went to and they would meet God there. Today God meets us and we are the temples of God. And the most holy place in this world is not a building somewhere. It's not a sanctuary somewhere. It's not a worship room somewhere. The most holy place in the world is where God dwells with his son or his daughter right there in their hearts. This is the, and it's not because of you, but it's because of his presence. Because when we leave and we turn off the lights out of this building, he's not here anymore. He said, I'm where two, agree, uh, two gather in my name. And, and listen, I don't have time to tell you, but oh man, there, are, there are churches all over the world meeting in places where they drank and they cussed and swore and used the name of the Lord in vain last night. And the churches are meeting there this morning. And they are hallowing that place for that moment, not because they prayed over it, but because they showed up and because the Spirit of God is in them. And wherever they go, that buildings do not change people. God does not live in church buildings. And the, and the last one, buildings are a means, they are not the end. Our goal is not to have a building. 
a, a building is a place to bring people together so we can challenge one another, we can encourage one another, we can pray for one another, we can draw others in. But let me just say this. We are looking for a building, okay? All right, now, this is our temporary location, and we don't know how long we're going to be here. We're looking for a building. Keep praying about that because there's, it's really crazy. I mean, I just keep looking. It's like that IGA building. It just won't go away. You know, it just will not go away from us. And so keep praying about all that. We are looking for a building. We've got several that we're looking for right now, and, and it's like, it seems like at least once a month somebody contacts with me about pastor heard about an empty building, and we check things out. Okay, we're looking for that. But we believe, if you were here before, we, before the move, you remember a sermon I preached to you about God putting us on the road. We believe we're on the road here today. We're here on purpose. So what does that tell? What, think about what that means. If we're here on purpose, and this is a temporary location, that means there's a reason for us to be here. We need to fulfill our reason for being here before we worry about being somewhere else. So why are we here? Because you've got friends that have said they will never go to a church. I'll never go to another church in my life. Yeah, man, you need to pick up the phone this afternoon because you hadn't thought about it. You need to say, hey, you remember you said you'd never go to another church in your life. Can I invite you to the Civic Center next Sunday? And next Sunday, okay, here's the announcement, all right? Next Sunday, we're going to be outside, okay? We're going to have an outside service. It'll be a brief service. We're beginning a serve week. I'll tell you about that next week. Uh, and we're not enlisted. You don't have to sign up. You don't have to do anything, but you'll be here next Sunday, okay? But what an awesome opportunity for you to say. You, you remember when you said you'd never go back to another church? How about joining me next week at the pavilion at the Civic Center? My church is just going to hang out outside and have a, have a quick pastor will be brief. Y'all know, okay, you've been around a little bit. You know that I, I, I'm brief out there, right? I'm very brief, okay? We've got to be because you're ADD. And I'm not talking about just the kids. I'm talking about you too. You know, and all those airplanes going overhead and the fire trucks going by, I mean, y'all just can't stay with it, so I have to go be brief. But what another awesome opportunity and do it this afternoon. There's an important reason for you to do it this afternoon. We are going somewhere but we have to fulfill what God has put for us here. It may be that we don't leave here until we fulfill that. What if God says, I'm going to stick y'all there till y'all do what I've asked you to do to being there. He told the disciples, go back to Jerusalem. They're just outside of town. Go back to Jerusalem until the power comes. Maybe he's put us here for a purpose. He's saying, you stay here until I get finished with you. You worry about that. And we're worrying about that, okay? But he said, you worry about that. When this, what if God has done this for us? So what's the important stuff? What really matters? You know, let me, let me share this one, one last way real quick, if I can, to, to see what really matters, and it's about numbers. Numbers matter. Do you know numbers matter? Okay, I know a lot of people say, well, numbers don't really matter. Y'all just count you know, just so you can say, hey, we got a whole bunch of people. And you know what, I, I don't really, I don't really uh, look at the attendance numbers so much because I, I think sometimes it's easy for us to get focused on trying to have a big crowd and the crowd is not what's important. There's some other numbers that are more important. The first one is 20,000. That in North Jefferson County alone, and this is a 10-year-old stat, in North Jefferson County alone, there are over 20,000 people who are not affiliated with any Christian church whatsoever. You know how many people that is? Let me, let me give you a, a, just a little bit of a parallel. That is the same as the population of a city like Anniston or Pelham. There are that many people living here in North Jefferson County as like the entire population of Anniston who say, I am not connected with any Christian church whatsoever. And Blount County's just right there. And Walker County's just right over there. It's not that far up the road. 
you know, the, the, we're, we're, we're just in this corner. Of the, and there are tw- over 20,000 here, right? And here's the thing about it. Again, what we have been told over and over and what you and I have proven over the last five and a half years is those 20,000 will not be reached by advertising and promotion nearly as much as they will be reached by you saying, come to my church and see something different that doesn't judge you, that doesn't, that doesn't have a, an agenda, as far, but just wants to receive you as you are and help you find Jesus and help you find his help and help you find his strength. That's what reaches the 20,000 plus. That's what they're telling us. But that's what you've proven over the last five and a half years. I'll give you another, two more numbers, I guess you could say. 51.2 and 60. You know what 51.2 is? We probably need to check the numbers again because we've had some, some new folks show up in the last few weeks. But the 51.2% of our regular attenders were going nowhere before coming to 2911. And so now we've set a goal of 60. And because, so here, because here's the things we're doing. We're looking back at, and saying, okay, we, we were looking for 51.2. We hit it. We hit it. We just passed it. Now we're looking for 60. And, and the reason we're doing that is because that's how we're going after the 20,000. You see, those 20,000 are unconnected. If we just keep trying to get somebody else's members, then we're not reaching the 20,000. We've got to keep going after the unconnected. And that's why we set the goal now, 60%. And how did we get there? How do we do that? By inviting. And that's why this ne- the next number that is important is 1,000 in the month of August. We set that goal. Did we reach it? That's why I question marks up there. I don't know because we don't have all the numbers turned in. Turn them in. I really wish everybody had turned them in so I could tell you we've reached it. We're a little short. You can see, you can see the little bin out there where we've dropped a ping pong ball in for every, everyone. And yes, I know you don't believe, but that actually does hold a thousand ping pong balls out there. And if you haven't, and, and somebody told me right before service, said, you want to reach a thousand? It said, if you didn't, don't, if we don't reach it before service starts, tell, stop in the middle of the sermon and just tell everybody, pull out their cell phones and invite somebody to church right there. I'm, look, I'm glad, I'm good with you doing that right now. If, you, if, somebody, if God lays somebody on your heart right now that you need to invite to church or to a small group or to an event, or like next week, and you want to say, hey, you know, you, you said you would never go to, a, go to a, another church, and you want to, man, I'm good with you doing that, even, even right now, because this is who we are, and, and, and why did we do this? It's to remind ourselves of who we are. And it's not about this, and it's not about unloading and loading up every Sunday, and, you know, it's, and it's not about all the stuff we do. And it, It's still about those people. And the 20,000, the way we reach the 20,000 is we keep, we keep measuring that unchurched percentage because as that unchurched percentage goes up, then we know we're reaching the 20,000. And the way we do that is through the invitations, the personal invitations. And that's why all these are the important are the important numbers. And what, what is my next number, the four question? No, no. So here's the last one. I got to tell you this and I'm going to bring you to the front. We're going to close, okay? I got to share this with you. 120. As of this weekend, uh, you know, and this is, this is kind of the stuff. Listen, we don't have secrets around here. If you've got a question, just ask, okay? But there's a lot of things we don't say on Sunday morning. I, I never, I, I, don't, I don't know that I've, I've ever said, I may have, but I don't remember saying this in a Sunday morning sermon, definitely not since we launched 2911, how much money we have in the bank. We have over 120, a little over $120,000 in the bank that is unencumbered, not associated with anything, not that somebody gave it. We've got more than that in the bank that people have given to missions, and we still have to write that check to missions, that we've not yet sent that. We don't want to do that once a month, that kind of a thing. And so, but we've got about 120, over $120,000 
of money that is not that is not encumbered. It, is, it does not belong anywhere else. It is not given to this, 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 or this. It is just general fund money that is just sitting there for us to be able to use toward a new building. And the zero is the amount of debt that this church has. Whew. Does that feel good? <laughs> Amen. But here's why I tell you that is because right now while we're in this place, man, this is an awesome place. This, this is an awesome place to do church. It really is. We have an awesome place for kids ministry over there. I mean, the big deal is having to set up breakdown every week. But look where we are. Look at this awesome place God has put us in. And it's costing us a little bit of rent. That, both of those numbers are going to have to go up for us to go to a building. We're going to have to have more money. And, and let me just say, this is the most cash money that belongs to us, unencumbered, that we've ever had. And zero debt, where you can't get much lower than that unless somebody loan, uh, owes you money, I guess, right? So we're in an awesome place, but that's got to increase. So I, what I'm saying is you continue to give. We have, uh, we, we have, in addition to this, we bought a lot of equipment. We bought some things, you know, that we needed here. But we bought everything so we could use it in another place. We're looking for the next place. But these two, and, and as soon as we get something finalized, we can say, here's where we're going. And I was really hoping we'd have something before today. But as soon as we get something finalized, we'll be telling you that. But, and, and listen, if you ever want to make a gift and you want to make it toward building fund, write that. And it can't be spent for anything except building. If you're worried that, and, and, and you know, if, but if you've got questions, again, we don't have secrets around here. We just don't talk about everything on Sunday morning. We don't have time to. It's just not the time, but this is more normally on a, on a holiday weekend. You've got just more home folks here. And so I took advantage of this opportunity to tell you this is where we are. And looking back, I'd say we've never been in a better place financially. But looking into the future, we have, we'll, we'll have to borrow some money. Unless, man, I get some people with faith right now that can believe God can put us in a building big enough of what we need to, for $120,000. We're going to have to borrow some money. And we're going to need to increase our funds that are there. And I've got to say one more thing before I bring you to the front because it just hit me just right there as we were talking about. This is an awesome place except for the load in and the load out. Our worship team is on retreat this weekend. Did y'all know that? You say, wait a minute, I thought I saw those people on the stage. Yeah, they're at a worship retreat slash conference where they're doing preparation study and all kinds of stuff that they're doing. But they came back today to do church. But they didn't just come back today to do church. They left their retreat early enough this morning to be here at 8 a.m. to unload all of this stuff to meet the rest of the WOW team, to unload all of this stuff. They're going back to their retreat, but before they go back to their retreat, they're going to have to break all this stuff down, put it back on the trailers, and take it back. And then they can go back on their retreat that ends tomorrow since the holiday weekend. That's why they put it there. And I just, I just have to ask you to help me let them know how much we appreciate all that kind of a work and effort. I couldn't let... I know when, when I first said they were on a retreat, some of you probably wanted to, to sign up for the worship team, didn't you? And then I told you that they, got, they left in time to get back here at 8 o'clock. You said, well, well, never mind. <laughs> Just hold off on that a little bit. It is an honor to have such people dedicated to you. Four questions, but let me ask them here at the front. Can I ask you to stand with me? And everybody come to the front. We're going to close with prayer this morning. I'm going to tell you four quick questions. So if you're following along in your notes there and you see that, you know, yeah, I hadn't forgotten them. I'm going to ask them when we get down here real quick or tell you about what they are. 
If you haven't been to 101, there's a couple of things in this message today that I've shared at 101, and sometimes I get into sharing that, and that's why I was telling God, you got to help me stay focused here, God, and that I don't just get to tell and all the, because, man, there's so many cool things to tell you about 2911 over the last five and a half years. I mean, just look around here, you know, talking about bragging on a church. This past week, Dave and I had the privilege of having dinner with one of our rescued marriages. And it's not, it's not really anything we've done, but it's what we've seen God do. And we had the privilege of sitting there and listening to these two people. I mean, just, just fellowshipping. But seeing the joy that has returned, the unity that is there. I, 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 could, talk, I could talk about what God is doing at 2911 all day long. Because God is doing some awesome things here. And we are committed, and we're going to have a word of prayer, and Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. But just before we pray, and I want us to pray a prayer of recommitment. I, we're looking back into the rearview mirror a little bit today, but with the purpose of looking forward. And I want us to commit in this last prayer to continue to look forward. There are four questions. When, when, when you join the church, Church 2911 here, you're asked four questions, and, and these are the four little subjects, basically, of those questions. And if you're not a, if you're not a member of 2911, you know, we really wish you would be because this is all we commit to. But even if you're not, I would pray that you would commit to these things anyway. Here's what we commit to. We commit to Christ, first of all. That's, I mean, it's Him. We are committed to Christ. As, as Church 2911, we are committed to Jesus Christ. We're not committed to our ball team. We're committed to Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. <laughs> I was worried about that. I didn't get any amens right there. You know, We are committed to Jesus Christ. Secondly, we're committed to Scripture. I am not committed to what I already know. I'm committed to the truth that I do not know yet that I'm trying to figure out. I don't read the Bible. There are a lot of people who read the Bible to prove what they already know. I read the Bible knowing that I am going to get to heaven one day, and he's going to say, you know that idea you had about my That wasn't right. There's going to be a lot of that that Jesus is going to tell me when I get to heaven. So I go to Scripture right now believing that there is something in this Scripture today that I don't yet know that is going to make truth even more great. It's going to make blessings even more awesome if I'll get it. And so I go looking for that that I don't yet know. We're committed not to what we already believe, but to truth. And the true truth is in the Word of God. And we're committed to unity. We're committed to one another. We're committed to working together. We're not, you know, we're not union here. You know, if somebody drops something, you know, it doesn't mean you have to wait and, you know, for the union guy to come by and say whose job it is to pick it up. You know, we just pick it up, do whatever. I mean, we pitch in. There's a lot of people pitching in. It's a holiday weekend this weekend. A lot of people pitching in to help out. We're committed to one another. That's the third question I ask. And the fourth question that I ask, this is the fourth commitment. It's we commit to attendance and we commit to giving. We commit to being here for one another. I've heard people say, when I got saved, I got committed to Jesus. I didn't get committed to anybody else. Yes, you did. I'm sorry. Because when you got saved, you became part of his body. And for you to say, I'm only committed to God, is like the hand saying, I'm only committed to the head, Jesus Christ. Well, how does the hand connect to the head if it's not connected to something else? And, and that, that's not my analogy. That is the Apostle Paul's in the New Testament. When you commit to Jesus, you commit to his church, his body, his bride. We belong to one another because I need you. I'm not just here because you need me. I'm here because I need you. But in my serving you, I'm putting myself in a place where he can serve me.
And so we commit to attendance and giving. I want us to pray right now. Would you? If you're